0: This is the fourth in a sermon series, The Fellowship of the Cross. And the goal is to help us as a church to understand who we are. We're a fellowship. People come together, a fellowship. And we're gathered around the cross of Jesus Christ because we know that the cross of Jesus Christ is central to our Christian faith. As the hymn says, He died, He died that we might be forgiven. And so this church is Christ-centered and cross-centered. This is the fourth in the series, and the title for this sermon this evening is My Cross, Your Cross. And the text is from the 16th chapter of Matthew. If any want to become my followers or disciples, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. A number of years ago, my cousin Janet's husband, Larry, had a stroke, and Larry was left almost uh, completely helpless, and so Janet is taking care of him. Now, they have the means to put Larry in a nursing home, but Janet loves him, and Janet decided to care for him at home. From time to time, my sister Gladys and her husband Tom come to Janet's house to take care of Larry so that Janet can get out of the house, get get a break, and go visit her family. Janet's situation is not uncommon. Lots of people have that kind of situation. And oftentimes we would say of that, well, that's quite a cross she has to bear, isn't it? That's quite a cross she has to bear. But from a Christian point of view, from a biblical point of view, that's not a cross at all. It's a burden. And it's a heavy burden. And we are told in the scriptures to bear one another's burdens. But what Janet is going through is not a, is not a cross, it's a burden, because in the New Testament, crosses have to do with the kingdom of God. Crosses have to do with being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, that's what it's about. Take up your cross and follow me. Two weeks ago, uh, when we, we saw that St. Paul, after he had a terrible time in Athens, when he got to, to Corinth, he, he wrote to them and said, you know, when I got to Corinth, the only message I would know among you is Christ crucified. That's it. That's the message. Christ crucified. And we saw two weeks ago that the message of Christ crucified is a difficult message. It was difficult back then and it's difficult now. St. Paul said the message of Christ crucified for the Jews. When I tell the Jews about Christ crucified, it's a stumbling block. They fall over it. They trip over it. They can't get it through their heads that this Savior for whom they're waiting has been crucified as a criminal. And he said, for the Greeks, for the intellectuals, if I may say for the university types, <laughs> the message of Christ crucified is stupid. It's folly. Who ever heard of a crucified criminal being anything at all? But long before St. Paul preached Christ crucified, Jesus was teaching you crucified. Because he said, if anyone wants to be my disciple, you must take up your cross and follow me. And he said that to people who understood what crucifixion was, I read somewhere that when Jesus was about four years old, there was a rebellion against Roman rule in a town not too far from Nazareth. And the Romans came down with with their usual strength, and they crucified 2,000 people. The Jews, they knew what crucifixion was. And Jesus knew what crucifixion was. Nevertheless, Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you have to take up your cross. And everybody knew that if you picked up a cross, you were on your way to death. Dietrich Bonhoeffer has said, when Christ calls someone to follow him, he calls them to come and die. The message of you crucified is a terribly powerful message. It's a strong message, and it's an offensive message. It's a difficult message. And down through the years, the church has watered it down, and I'm guilty of that. I I confess at the beginning. The message of cru- be crucified is so hard to bring to people. We're like mothers who blow on the soup before they give it to their baby. Okay, We cool the message off because we're afraid of offending people. But Jesus did not want to get disciples on the cheap. He was very clear what it would cost to be his disciple. But the church itself has not been that clear. And so we blow, we, we blow on the soup, we, we water down the message of you crucified because we believe that if you told people that, they wouldn't join the church. There was a, a, a thing came out this week from the, from the NALC, it listed all the vacancies of all the churches, and our church is, is listed in that. And one of the first churches said, we want a pastor who's going to go and get members. I find that offensive. It's like rounding up people for a club. Do you think he'll get members if he talks about Christ crucified and you crucified? No, no. See, We we water down the message. This is a story. It's not a true story. And it's a kind of a touchy story. But let me tell it. One day in a large church somewhere or other, At the beginning of the service, three men came into the church with ski masks on and guns. And the whole church saw them. And they said, anybody who will take a bullet for Jesus Christ, stay in your seat and the rest of you can go. And in no time at all, there were only 12 people left. And one of the masked men said, their pastor is your real congregation. Have a nice day. And he left. They left. See, of the whole church, only 12 people said, I'll take a bullet for Jesus Christ. Now, if you ask me, will I take a bullet for Jesus Christ? I don't know. I hope so. You know, I'm going to be 80 soon. So that's not such a bad thing, right? (laughs) But if you're 25, would you take a bullet for Jesus Christ? That's picking up the cross and following Jesus Christ. This book, which I'm reading, is called The Church Under the Cross. It's by J.B. Phillips, who had a wonderful translation of of the Bible. And uh, this book is about missions in other countries, in Japan and Africa and China. And this section has got to do with what J.B. Phillips calls nominal Christianity. Nominal Christianity. It is a grievous fact, but an undeniable fact, that the plague of nominal Christianity seems to arise whenever it is safe to be a Christian. Whenever it's safe to be a Christian, you get lots of nominal Christians. As soon as there appears a cost or risk in becoming a follower of Christ, those who are Christians in name only are quickly shown up for what they really are. There are some who come to the edge as it were, and then they draw back. No, they say, we cannot pay the Christ. We cannot pay the price. Let us just be good church members and law abiding citizens, then nobody will be offended. But there is no cross in their message. No living savior in their testimony. Africa is full of such Christians. And then this we wonder sometimes just what kind of a gospel we have been preaching. Perhaps a cheap variety that costs nobody anything. Discipleship on the cheap. That's what the church has preached. So tonight, I'm not preaching that. Who will take a bullet for Jesus? You don't have to raise your hand. I see hands. That's the cost of discipleship. Now, when Jesus said to take up your cross and follow him, he did not mean that everybody had to die a violent death. Jesus died a violent death. Stephen died a violent death. Peter died a violent death. St. Paul probably died a violent death. St. Francis died in bed. Martin Luther died surrounded by his friends. But around the world today, someone has estimated there are about 100 million Christians who are in danger of persecution and death simply because they are Christians, mainly in the Middle East. For them... Taking up the cross is very dangerous. Jesus said, take up your cross. Now, on, on the, the simplest way, we've done this, haven't we? See, I've, you got a cross? I got this one for being a spiritual director at Via de Cristo. It says on the back, Christ is counting on you. I never wore a cross before. I ask you to wear a cross to identify with the cross of Jesus Christ, which is the theme of these sermons. And I'm going to wear a cross from now on. I'm going to identify myself somehow publicly with the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the easiest way to to take up your cross. Just wear one. And don't be ashamed of it. And when you're asked about it, what an opening that is to give a witness and testimony. St. Paul said I'm not ashamed of the gospel and I'm not ashamed of the cross. Now, when, when Jesus said take up your cross he didn't give a lot of explanation as to what that meant. Except for this. He said, deny yourself. You have to deny yourself and take up the cross. You have to say no to yourself. And that's really hard. It's really hard to say no to yourself. Now, we talked last week of how we are both saints and sinners. You remember that? We're at the same time saints and sinners we're uh, 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 saints who sin. That's it. And that sinning part is the part that you have to say no to. Because we all have that part in us yet. For many years, Val and I have been using this book for our daily devotions. It's called My Utmost for His Highest, My Best for His Glory. Anybody know this book? Some of you do. It's a wonderful book. It's by Oswald Chambers. It was written for people going to a Bible training school. It was also some meditations he gave at the YMCA. We use it every day for our morning devotions. We sing, we read. We pray, we have a time apart when we pray, and we've learned a lot from this book. And I think the most important thing we learned from this book is Oswald Chambers says that Christians must give up all rights to themselves. You have to think about that. You give up all rights. To yourself. You have no right to yourself. You have no right to anything. Now those of you who have been in in the military. Okay. One or two. Well you know in the military. When you go in the military. You give up all rights to yourself. Don't you? You don't do anything by committee. You just follow orders. And Chambers says. Christians who want to take up the cross, have got to give up all rights to themselves. And Jesus, our Savior, he gave up all rights to himself. He gave up all rights to his life. We talked three weeks ago about how Jesus voluntarily went to the cross. He said, we're going. Let's go up to Jerusalem. And he walked in front of the disciples and they were scared because it seemed that he was eager to die. And then in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he sweat blood and prayed, and, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. It seems that he was trying to reclaim his rights to his life. He'd like to have his life back, and he prayed and prayed. And then, as the Gospel tells us, when, when the, the, the line of torches came up, the hill coming to get him, he had made up his mind. He gave up all rights to himself. And he said to his disciples, let's go. My betrayer is at hand. To take up the cross is to give up all rights to yourself. Now let me tell you how that works for the Solbergs. Um, You you know that uh, we came back about five months ago after uh, a year in Sao Paulo, Brazil at the Fellowship Community Church. One day the phone rang and people said, would you please come and serve our church in Sao Paulo? I didn't want to go. I'm not interested in going to Sao Paulo. We have a nice home. We're surrounded by friends. I can play all the golf I want. Why go to Brazil? Well, Because we have given up all rights to ourselves. We have no right to that house. We have no right to that lifestyle. I have no right to that golf. I have no rights at all. We didn't want to go, but we went. And it was wonderful. We're glad we went. We were blessed because we went. And Jesus said, he who loses his life finds it. And we found it in Brazil. Because when you give up all rights to yourself, God blesses you abundantly. Sometimes taking up your cross isn't that bad. Once you surrender, that's key to it. Now there's another side to this about taking up your cross and that's in the side of morality. I think I think most of us have our favorite sins don't we? I don't have to raise your hand on this. (laughs) But I think most of us have our favorite sins. We hate the sins we love and we love the sins we hate. But when you're in the fellowship of the cross, you're not entitled to your sins. You're just not allowed to have them. You have to let go of them. You know, we're not we're not entitled to our anger. We're not entitled to our envy. We're not entitled to withholding forgiveness. We're not entitled to our jealousy. We're not entitled to our lust. Can you say that word here? You know, studies have shown that Christians, even here in the Bible Belt, Christians purchase pornography at the same rate as non-Christians. Can you believe that? It's true. We're not entitled to that. We're not entitled to our sins. We need to struggle with the sins that we love and give them up because we're not entitled to that kind of life. About 20 years ago, I discovered that I was an angry person. If you ask me, what were you angry at? I wasn't angry at anything. I was looking for something to be angry at. Make any sense to you? I learned it from my father. God bless my dad. My dad was an angry person. And I was an angry person. People didn't know. Val didn't hardly know. And then one day the Holy Spirit showed me. Wow. You're really an angry person. And the Holy Spirit took that anger away from me. It was hard because I was used to getting angry all the time. All the chuckles mean that I have friends here, right? <laughs> I have friends. Some, it, it, it's just like a script. Something happened, you pick up the script, and it says, Now get angry. But I had to put the script down. It's been a wonderful 20 years. Jesus said, "Take up, take up your cross, and deny yourself." And that's at the heart of the fellowship of the cross. Now we have this slide. Now I see all of our, all that I've said is kind of, it's kind of heavy, isn't it? It's kind of oppressive, but it's not meant to be oppressive. Because taking up the cross and denying yourself is the pathway to life why is it why is it that New Year's resolutions fail they fail because people refuse to deny themselves and the things that they want to set down they pick them up again and they say well next year New Year's I'll try again New Year's resolutions fail and we all know what that's like because we don't deny ourselves. Someone has said that taking up the cross and denying yourself is like like taking a plant and cutting off the imperfect buds so that a more perfect bud may grow. Pruning a tree must hurt the tree. but it's good for the tree it makes the tree better and stronger and so Jesus said come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you the yoke that's referred to here is a double yoke they put on two animals and Jesus is saying I've got half of it You take the other half. And we'll go through life together. We'll pull that yoke together. We'll take up the cross together. I'll help you deny yourself. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. It really is. And my burden is light. And in the end, taking up the cross is easy. Denying yourself is easy. Saying no to yourself is easy. Because what you get is the kind of life that people in the fellowship of the cross are supposed to have. Amen.